Today's podcast is coming to you from Antica, eighteen eighty nine Antica. Many's out there getting ready on a phone call right now. These people have got a fabulous restaurant, a fabulous wine business. You guys are going to love this one. This is the problem that everyone makes when they, you know, they always start with their lesser wines when they go to the cellar and then they go to there. Then they finish going when they're drunk and they go, they go, oh, I can't believe I opened that. I don't even remember opening that $350 bottle of champagne. So I always say start at the top and work your way to the bottom. That's a great idea. There you go. As a life tip. Emmanuel, um, we are here at beautiful Anatika. Logan Road, Brisbane, such a beautiful cellar you have under here. Does everyone know about this beautiful downstairs room that you have here full of all this expensive? I think it's, you know, it's funny. We you always think that you meet, you still meet people who go, I still haven't been, we've been here 12 years. And they go, oh, I love, I still haven't been. And you're going, oh, and that's for me actually quite a good thing. It means that there's, you know, still more people out there yet to discover us. And yeah, and there's still a bunch of people who can't, who've been to the restaurant a couple of times, didn't even know the cellar existed. So you're, um, obviously, if you, you and Dan and uh, Cam, Cam. Uh, he's involved as well, you, you guys have been here for years. How long has it been that you guys have been in this amazing place? Uh, 12 years. Would this be one of the, one of the most, most amazing buildings in, in Brisbane? Yeah, well, hence the name, 1889, and it's like, uh, the building was built in 1889. So, it's not so that... Um, no wonder you're not getting my invites, because I've been posting it to 1889. Right yeah, 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 yeah. The street address. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, funnily enough, it, we were we the actual address was Stanley Street for the building, mm. uh, and we were trying to make it Stanley Street Inateca. It just didn't gel, and certainly our Logan Road Inateca didn't gel back in the day. But uh, yeah, no, amazing building. Uh, Taylor Heslop Building. It's called. Most people would know it from the big Morton Rubber Works sign that's on the side of the building as you come down to the Gabba. Oh, radio, and on the other side it says Goodyear, doesn't it? Yeah, the Goodyear building, yeah. yeah, yeah so it was yeah. Morton Rubber Works and then Goodyear. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah, you, you know it from building. that. You do feel like you're going back in time, almost like you're in, in, in Italy. Now, are you guys actually Italian? No. Oh, like most, Cut none of us, none of, yeah. Right. So I, this is where I put my hand up so you can cut this bit out. Right so that, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Graham told me the secret signal in, straight, in case I swear, which I'm prone <laughs> to. You can swear a lot. Um, no, none of us are, who own it are Italian. And I'm actually Greek um, descent. Oh. Which kind of like makes me a, an original A-grade Italian. Before, so is Nick, it's okay. Yeah. Okay, so you've embraced this beautiful building and then you've put in this Italian restaurant which is Roman themed, would you say? Yeah, it was. It, the backstory is, is that Dan and I had both been in wine and wine retail for, we'd worked together in retail for, you know, a long time, a good eight or nine years. And then... Uh, that company that we worked for sort of imploded and then um, he went out and started a small wine company with Joanne Adley and then I was about to leave and he said, no, come and work with us. So then I bought Joe out and, and remained Adley Clark Fine Wines and Dan had always been super passionate about Italian wines. Yeah. And the journey there was that we ended up... Uh, the, um, ...importing our own Italian wines. We just started with one container with too much Pinot Grigio in it. And uh, that's how we started. We had domestic agencies as well, but we started importing. 
and then that grew and grew and grew and it was a lot of success there and then uh, um, Dan turned around to me and said I want to open an Enoteca so Enoteca means Eno is from Othenique and uh, Teca is from Biblioteca Othenique means from wine and Biblioteca means library so Enoteca actually sort of translates to wine library wow so that's what it means it's, but there, in Italy there are a lot of Enotecas so an Enoteca is a style of venue like a trattoria or a pizzeria or a restaurante or a cafe. So it's not, Enotech is not a unique word. Yeah, don't be on the table, man. Sorry. Yeah, so, I'm a drummer at heart. So, so how many times have you guys gone over to Italy to find beautiful wine and to research food? Is that a regular gig like the dudes from Becco? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually took the guys from Becco. Okay. Uh, that was their first trip. They came with us because they were pretty good. They were good clients. I don't know, Dan and I have probably been eight or nine times. Dan's been a few more times than myself. Um, but we, at one stage, were going every year for two to three weeks. And I know that because I was driving four and a half thousand kilometres in that time. So just so everyone knows, obviously it's COVID time and we're sitting miles apart um, to do this interview today. Yeah. I did think it was essential because there's going to be some entertainment and a chance to distract you, but I don't want to concentrate on that too much. Yep. We're sitting at the table, seat's 40, and um, you're at one end and I'm at the other end. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I think this is... Yeah, and our voice is terrible. You had your uh, 29th birthday here in the last decade, didn't you? I definitely did. Yeah, 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 yeah. quick math would suggest that you're 39. I'm actually 48. <laughs> I was building you up then, buddy. Just... Cut that out, done. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we were just touching on the fact that it's COVID time and I love that you guys have been able to adapt a little bit and yep. change your offering. Tell us a little bit about how you flipped and how quick did you... Okay, so yeah, like everyone, the world shut down and they said you can do takeaway. So we, um, we just pivoted into that really quickly. We worked out what we could do well that we knew traveled because um, that was one of our big things and then we uh, went to the lovely brisbane based people called bopple and put them on our website and the response has been amazing um, so yeah we're doing Enoteca takeaway which has been really good and funnily enough we had a lot of people sort of um say to us uh it's so good to be able to get in a tech takeaway because I've always loved your restaurant and I love your food, but I don't necessarily want to get dressed up and come in. And now you can do it with your pants off. Now you can do it with your pants off um, at home on your back deck. So it's going to be a permanent thing. And I think a lot of um, premium restaurants who focused on their product and, you know, the experience in the restaurant have now realised that their food, people want their food at home. They don't necessarily want take always want that the takeaway, cheap, you know, fast food takeaway option. They actually want a premium option as well. Not that it's overly expensive. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's obviously just a different offering in the marketplace. Conversely, Dan and I have been talking about doing a retail offer, doing a, a wine comp, because Enoteca actually has a hotel license. So we're actually licensed to, you can come in here and buy a bottle of wine off the street any day, that we're, any time that we're open and take it away unopened like a pub. Wow. Um, we actually have a commercial hotel license here and we've been talking about doing a wine club. So we threw that up in the air and I think we're up to, we've sold 50 dozen so far. Wow. And the, the great thing is, is you get all that expertise in that time that Dan and I spent selecting wines in Italy. You know, it's all Italian, uh, which is obviously what we specialise in. We don't do any domestic wines in Australia. There's enough, not, not that we're 
anything wrong with that. Um, we just we just decided that that's something that we can especially do, kind of like our food being specifically Roman, yeah. as opposed to the greatest hits of Italy, which yeah. a lot of other restaurants do. We decided to focus on the food of Rome because we both love Rome. Well, so Italians got. I mean, Italy's got how many growing regions? Like oh, over 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 twenty. Yeah, over twenty three main ones. Tuscany. What are the other ones? Oh, the the ones that most people will know would be Tuscany. That would be Chianti. There's Sicily. The island of Sicily is its own growing region. You got Piedmont, where Nebbiolo and Barolo come from. You've got Veneto. Uh, yeah, Piedmont, Veneto, and Tuscany. Piedmont, Veneto, and Tuscany mainly because you've got if you think of things like Nebbiolo, Prosecco, Chianti. Yeah, they're the sort of three, and Pinot Grigio. They're the three biggest hits of uh, of Italy at the moment. It's got a like Barossa, Shiraz, you know, Margaret River Cabernet, uh, um, Yarra Valley Pinot. And 320-odd grace, the Italians were talking Oh, about. yeah. And this is, where, this is where it gets a bit curly for a lot of people is that, you know, Australia has maybe 12, 15 major noble grape varieties. Italy has hundreds and hundreds of Indigenous varieties that make wine in each of the regions that have basically been selected just through trial and error. And this is what grew in this region. This is how we worked it out. So yeah, hundreds of grape varieties, like Santiovese, Nebbiolo, Barbera. Um, oh, the list goes on and on and on. Yeah. How do you think that this whole COVID thing is going to affect the Italians, the Italian wine industry? Like, I know that's a ridiculously hard question. There's no... From over answer. here, look, I, I think, you know, it's more of a global thing. I think... You know, not just an Italian thing, because you could throw Spain and France and America into that mix in terms of, like, the factors that are affecting it. I just think that... I, I think Australians will stay at home for a little while. I, I, and, and I think that globally, I think, you know, I, I don't think there'd be as many people going to Italy. I think the export market from Italy will always be very strong. We'll always want Grana Padana and Picorino Al Romana and, and Chianti and Prosecco. So those parts of it, but in terms of actually... You know, people going, I think they'll be a bit hesitant for a while. I think the Italians will bounce back. They're very resilient. And, you know, they're very regional as well. So the regions that can bounce back, I noticed the retail was opening up in, in Rome and some of the southern parts of which have been far less affected by this whole thing than, say, the northern parts of Italy, especially uh, Lombardia and you know, around Milan. Mm. So I think they'll bounce back pretty quickly um, in terms of, in terms of, you know, in terms of export and stuff like that, in terms of domestic tourism, I think she'll be a bit quiet for a couple of years. Yeah. No cruise ships, that's will, for sure. Yeah. Do you think it will actually affect the actual quality of a product or do you think that they'll be back in, in before? Mate, not at all. Not at all. I think in the in the markets that we work in, grain, and sort of like the agricultural parts, because we can remember the grapes and uh, grapes, uh, the wine is just a, you know, the, by, the, the byproduct of the agricultural product, you know, of farming of grapes. I think, you know, the farmers will be out there doing their thing, mm. getting on with it. Uh, nature will do its thing. We take care of the planet, you know. Um, it, it'll, it'll take care of us and, um, and, you know, the grapes will grow and, and the wines will be made, you know. Just like produce will be made. I don't know. Have you seen a, um, any net effect in um, agricultural produce being produced from COVID-19? I mean, I know there's problems with pickers and things like that. Look, the pickers are the actual issue because we're so used to bringing in lots of people to pick in Australia. Mm. Right now, if you're unemployed, you could head to Bundaberg and you could pick 
fast. Like there's yeah. to be there's there's actually work in Australia yeah. that we're not used to doing. And no. like Sweet Potatoes Australia have got people who used to be on boats now they're driving heavy heavy duty yeah. equipment on their farms and there's lots of change up. And I think you know I don't want to touch on too much, but there's a real opportunity for everyone to try and find the positives of what we can do right now. And I know as a business we have done our best. Yep. We really want to you know remain strong with our amazing chefs and um, the service that we've always offered yeah. there. But I hope they understand that we had to flip a little bit to, to uh, you know, put our own gas mask on yeah. before helping others. So we had to do that for the first four weeks, then we're back and we're able to, you know, well, not that we ever stopped, but yeah. I think a lot of people have had to do that. I mean, the adjustment, you know, had to be really quick. And I suppose one of the things, you know, a lot of people are wondering is why is Graham talking to this guy? Graham is my favorite um, fruit and veg supplier <laughs> here at Eniteca. He's my only fruit and veg supplier, so. It's really not, you know, it's a one-horse race, but we'll give it to him. Um, so, uh, you know, and we were just chatting. I actually rang him to say, mate, thanks for the support. Uh, this is what I can afford to pay you. And we got talking about wine and what we were doing and what he was doing. And it was just a really positive thing. He goes, well, man, I should come down and talk to you about, you know, this wine thing that you're doing, you know, and, you know, what you guys have done with the restaurant just to sort of keep the message out there that there is, you know, hospitality is and will survive, even though we're one of the first out of the market, you know, and we were the, one of the last back up yeah. um, in this thing. I think restaurants, bars, cinemas, those, you know, football stadiums, things like that, will be the last things to be opened in this thing. Mm. I think small retail, you know, and that will, will continue, but yeah, large groups or gatherings over more than 50 people will be very limited for mm. a substantial amount of time. So, so it's nice for you to invite me to have a chat so well, that the world can hear my voice. Well, you know, the truth is, I knew you are a wine dude, and I know how much wine we're all drinking right now. You know, I mean, I, I, I can only clean out my cellar. I definitely can't afford to buy anything new. But uh, for those who can, um, you know, what is the name of the, the home delivery business? So it's Vina uh, Arcasa, so wine at home, yeah. basically. It's on our website. We've released an autumn wine pack, which is a dozen Italian wines, five whites, five reds, a, a sparkling and a rosé. Uh, and with that pack was an introduction. We've got a, a bottle of um, Rivo gin, which is hand, so all the botanicals are hand foraged in Italy. So it's a bottle of gin that's 90 bucks. And trust me, people are drinking a lot of gin at the moment. Mm. Um, I know from a retail friend of mine that they're constantly running out of tonic water in their bottle shop. So yeah, with that carton of wine for 300 bucks, you get a $90 bottle of gin on top of it as well. And it's basically, we just sat down and went, let's give people a carton of wine that they're going to enjoy, that, you know, that are going to take, it's going to be, there's some things they're going to be familiar with or they're going to enjoy drinking and then some things they're going to be, you know, a little bit out of their comfort zone um, and or things that they're unfamiliar with. I shouldn't say out of their comfort zone, they're unfamiliar with, but they're going to enjoy that we've recommended. Mm. You know, it's like, I think wine's one of those things we... We mentioned it, I said to you, there's a common misconception that if you know a lot about wine, you must be an incredibly cultured person. Mm. And anyone who knows me, like you do, <laughs> would say that that's fairly far from the truth, <laughs> right? So, but yeah, it's like if we know a lot about wine, you must know a lot about opera and fine art yeah. and, you know, and sculpture and stuff like that. So who knows more, you or Dan? Oh, Dan, undoubtedly. <laughs> Dan, Dan, undoubtedly. Look, I, I've he always... Just, he just literally texted me to say, I know more about wine than him. Yeah, well, he would. He would. He would. Um, he needs his uh, ego validated. Um, I'm far better looking and uh, a bit more robust. Right. Um, so, uh, 
both in stature and in thickness of skin. Right. So he, um, Dan definitely won. Look, I remember, quick backstory on Dan. I remember Dan, meeting Dan. He, we worked at a very good retail group called the Grape Group, which at its time was the largest independent fine wine um, chain in Australia. Uh, and it was Brisbane-based. And it was kind of a bit of a star chamber. And I remember this 22, 24-year-old kid coming back from the UK who'd worked at Odd Bins, I think it was Odd Bins, which was a very prestigious um, wine retail group. And, you know, just a, a level of knowledge and an ability, you know, with his palate and um, that far exceeded guys in the room had been doing it for 15 years. I can, I can back that up because I gave him some cherries at Christmas time. And I tell you, I have to say... Are you still banging on about no, no, the cherries? No, 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 no. How much? His palate must be amazing because... He could pick a good and a bad cherry. Well, look, he loved those cherries. I think for a lot of people listening to this, like about wine, you, um, you know, and people, here's a couple of statements, you know, because you were talking about educating wine and we're talking about it. Most people that will be listening to this, you probably make two value statements when you consume something, when you drink and eat something. I like it, I don't like it. That's all you really do. You go, oh, I like it, it's creamy. Oh, I didn't like it. So if you like it, you don't really think about it too much. If you didn't like it, there's probably a few factors why you didn't like it. I don't like oysters or blue cheese. There's some classic examples. You know, um, I think the first step if you want to sort of start enjoying wine is just have a moment to think about what you're enjoying about it and then step outside that a little bit and then maybe buy something a bit different than you normally would because we would always get into the pattern. You know, when I go to the drive-thru at McDonald's, I know exactly what I'm going to order. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, and I think a lot of people do that. Um, and Enertech has been a great success in that. When we first went over to 100% Italian wines, you know, Sauvignon Blanc was riding very high in Australia. Um, and people would come in and ask for Sauvignon Blanc. We didn't have any. Mm. But what we had was a couple of really good Italian um, uh, alternatives, such as Suave, um, which is crisp, dry, slightly aromatic, really enjoyable wine, that we go, look, here, try this. And they'd have a bit of a sip and go, that's fantastic, I'll try that. So it was just that, you know, little step to the left that opened up a door for a lot of people, you know, to get out of their thing. Getting back to Dan's palate, everyone's got, can taste to some level. It's how much to order it. It's a bit like running the 100 metres. If I run the 100 metres, it's going to take a good 28 seconds, you know? Usain Bolt gets out of bed, he runs the 100 metres, no training in 10 seconds. Some of us, our pallets, we can run the 100 metres in 10 seconds. Some of us, we can run it in 15. Dan's one of those people, another good friend of ours, Tony Harper, who runs, um, who owns craft bottle shops. They get out of bed, they run, they run the 100 in under 10. Their pallets are just at another level. And it's not even a, they just, just have a gift for it, I suppose. But that's not to say that most people can't train themselves up to be better at anything. Mm. You practice at anything, you take a bit of experience, you take some time with it, you'll get better at it, you know? Mow the lawn, <laughs> you know, build a chair, fix a car, whatever you do, you know, after you've done it a few times and you learn the process of how to do it, it just becomes easier. And that's exactly the same thing with wine. And I think, you know, a lot of people, there's a barrier to wine you know, like, oh, you know, there's some magic about it. I'm, I'm not James Bond. I can't pick up that that's the 1960, you know, two uh, Dom Perignon. 
I know you guys tweaked the menu a little bit, mm-hmm. but not a great deal. Throughout the seasons, you'll add peaches, you'll take them off. Yep. You'll add figs, you'll take them off. And and uh, I, I think people know what they're going to get when yep. they come to Anateka, which is a little bit like the McDonald's thing mm-hmm. said before. But also, I think what they are coming here for and the feedback that I've got by my hands is that, yeah, we get this opportunity to try a, a new wine mm-hmm. and know it with confidence that you guys have actually done some thought about yep. it and, and put that into there and, and it's going to match whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so, so you can pretty much now, you can have Anatika at home, like we said before, but you can get the wine delivered and now you can get the food delivered. Well, you can come you can and pick it up as You well. can come and pick up some food. You can actually buy a bottle of wine while you're here. Wow. You know, so there's no, there's no issue with that whatsoever. Um, you know, you can buy a bottle of wine. We've actually got a little takeaway wine list, um, you know, posters on the door where you can walk up and go, oh, just ask the guys that are here. Mm. They all do an immense amount of wine training. Um, all of the front of house staff are Italian. Uh, basically, we started with one, and they're like white ants and just keep on employing, they just keep mm. on inviting their friends along. And it's worked out really well for us because they have an innate understanding of everything that we do and an ability to deliver it. And plus, they're incredibly service-driven. What do you do to, to maintain a healthy approach to business when a challenge comes along? Like, what are you, what are you doing as a business to make sure that you know, that you're you're ready for these sort of things. Is it is it exercise? Is it is it you know as for myself life? personally? Yeah, yeah. What, what is it? That uh, you, I, and perhaps Dan, that, yeah. what are you guys doing that creates that balance, that long jeopardy? Business partners can, and and mm-hmm. you know they, 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 they Oh, it's not easy. It's like a marriage. And um, sometimes you want to hit them. And I think yeah. And but um, you know, what is the secret to having a fantastic business? I I think it's a mutual respect and a. Uh, and it's an open dialogue mm. and no ego. Mm. We got told very early on, don't let your ego make any decisions for you. Mm. Uh, that's really important. Uh, and just, you know, there's, you know, you can have, there's a million ideas, throw them out there and they'll evolve. Mm. I think the other thing is to don't be complacent. Don't ever be complacent. Don't ever, you know, leave a smudge on a window or, you know, the standard has to, you know, set your standard and go for it. Uh, is that like the Brooklyn standard? I don't know if you should be mentioning that in that <laughs> podcast. Yes, it is like Brooklyn. It's like everything I do, all my venues. Um, uh, I think there's a standard that I like to I, I like to maintain, regardless of whether it's a live music venue or whether it's a you know a flagship um, Italian restaurant. There's a standard you maintain within that. Kind of like you, you wouldn't accept second quality fruit just because it's cheaper to make a cheaper box to send out to people because mm. that's not the Suncoast Fresh brand. Mm. You know what I mean? I think you've got to stay on brand. You've got to um, respect your product uh, and and stay true to it as well. Don't be complacent and listen to your customers. Mm. You know, I've always said to the guys, you know, listen to your customers, find out what they want and then give it to them. You know what I mean? It's, It's not that hard. They will actually tell you. The people who are your current customers are probably your most valuable market research tool. What you know? do you think it was that you did, the one thing that you did that made a difference going into COVID? That's just one little twig of the business that you thought you might need. Was there something that you did? You're going to hate me. I stopped paying everyone. The minute the, <laughs> the, the, minute the government announced the 500 thing, I shut the bank accounts <laughs> off and I just went, hang on, we need to keep our powder dry here. I think, oh, you the I think and the other thing was too, I think there was two things. Look, from a business, from a back-end financial perspective, I think, you know, making sure that, you know, riding through the uncertainty, financial uncertainty, so that we could survive. And secondly, I think the big thing was coming and talking to the team. Mm. I think coming down, talking to the team, 
telling everyone that it's going to be okay. We're all in this together and telling them this is what we're doing as business owners. Um, these are the sacrifices we're making, you know, these are, um, uh, to make sure that we can survive. Okay. And we will take care. I think that's it. I mean, you, you've got to come out. It's really important, like you. You can't just, you know, your people that uh, work at Suncoast, are, um, they're integral to your business. They know everything about you. To lose all that proprietary knowledge, mm. especially in a place like Enoteca, would be a disaster. Mm. We just can't come back and start with a fresh team. Mm. So, and, you know, and I wouldn't. We are incredibly lucky that Head Chef is up for long service leave. We've got another chef who's on eight years. We've got uh, two. We've got two apprentices here. We've got a sous chef who started as a first year apprentice, and we've got another apprentice who's now in his he finished his apprenticeship. He's on his fourth year. So longevity in our restaurant is ridiculous because you know most people last six months, two years. Yeah. So main yeah, and I think that was the big thing was you know keeping you know for us it was our people. And what you told me the other day about one of the things you did before um, mm-hmm. this hut down is you, you, you had that database. So that, that, that was oh. so that was what I was sort of getting at there. Oh, were you getting to, yeah, well, why didn't you just ask that question? <laughs> well, yeah. I was trying to just leave uh, you into um, it yeah, so it looked yeah. like we hadn't talked Mate, about it. Mate, I'm not that smart, right? right? You know, <laughs> I'm, okay. and I'm easily distracted. You yeah. should know that. I'm yes, like a yes. dog out of up, squirrel. Yeah. Um, so uh, we, Dan, the, we'd come from a database culture back in retail. Which we've been hounded, we've been you know hounded about collecting, and then we were un- we understood that reaching, like I said, your people that come into your restaurant are the most valuable you know, people that you've got. So being able to connect with them and and uh, and reach out to them uh, was really important. So we've been banging on about data cards or collecting data, the name, your phone number, and your email, so that we can sell it off to our friends in Nigeria, and. Um, Basically, we... Uh, Can you put in a little laugh cue there, Nick, later? Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, basically, we, um, basically, that data came to save our ass. In fact, we were trying to get the staff. We just constantly asked them. And staff were resistant to actually give the card. They I actually came here and I thought she wanted my number. I was like, yeah. oh, I'm here with my wife. Who, Are you kidding me? Who wouldn't want your number? Yeah, that's true. You that's sideshow true. Bob. Yeah, it is. You know, looking, <laughs> you know, fruit and veg salesman. Um... Uh, so I badgered them mm. and said, look, we will give you a dollar for every data card that you collect, meaning that if you get 50 a week out of a restaurant that does, you know, five or 600 people a week, if you get 50 a week, we'll give you 50 bucks. It's two and a half grand a year cash. The tax man doesn't know about that. You might want to take that out. Um, but we still could it was really hard. But now it's absolutely come to save our ass because we have close to 6,000 people on that database. Nice. Right? And that, you know, being able to reach those people. So now whenever the staff collect a data card, they have to pay me a dollar. So, yeah, just out of spite. <laughs> but you used to take that out of the tips anyway, didn't you? Mate, I don't even see <laughs> tips. I don't even see tips here, mate. I look, I see the check that gets cashed for to reimburse tips and sometimes it scares me. But these guys are very good, you know. If you ever have a sniff towards an expensive bottle of wine, they will just basically circle your table and just swipe your card as they go around. I'm kidding. Um, no. But, yeah, look, in a higher-end restaurant where the service is exceptional, they do get rewarded. Yeah. But yeah. 
the food's always fantastic, the wine's great, and um, the culture's great, and you guys have always been super understanding and um, fantastic for me to work with as well. And you've actually got a unique ordering style that you're not ordering every day, like a lot of people are. You, you know what it's, you know the deal because you used to be with uh, the late Cole. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you, you get it. And that noise in the background for everyone is actually a tap, but apparently you can't hear it. Yeah. Uh, and it's not Dan. Um, yeah, but if you haven't been here, you should come here. And I'm not meaning to do an ad for this place, but it really oh, is am. a unique... I know you are, but uh, it's really... Buy a takeaway, a- order our <laughs> wine. Manny wants Gucci loafers for Christmas. <laughs> and Monogrammed, handmade. And um, it's the, the brickwork, the wine. This place downstairs is amazing. And they've got air con now, so that's good. Yeah. And, um, Expensive air con and yeah. difficult to put in. So what's the name of the wine club? How do they find it? So that? Dino Arcasa, it's on our website, um, I'm in the middle of building a Shopify um, platform for that as well. So at the moment we have one um, uh, offer, but we're about to put out a, uh, some premium six-packs and some other offers, like all white and all red, just to build the base. Obviously we had to jump in the fire mm. and start somewhere, but it's grown really rapidly. Uh, got, we get good feed, We've got good feedback from all of our customers. We've emailed them all and said, what would you like to see? They basically told us exactly what we thought. They want to see regional packs like the Tuscan pack or a Piedmontese pack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, just go on our website or even on our Instagram, uh, 1889enateca, E-N-O-T-E-C-A. Um, I told you it's not an ad, man. What's that? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, just order away. Yeah. Just keep on well, hitting add to I, the plus button. I think that you guys are fabulous people and, uh, I, you know, it's one of the reasons I came here today. You're, you're in my top five Italian restaurants in, in Brisbane. You know? Mate, that's, you know what? I I once learned something from someone at the market. It says, never say you're number one because you sound like a wanker. Okay. But if you say, hey, I'm in the top five, people go, oh, yeah, probably yeah, is. You know, it's good, a lot yeah. more, yeah, you yeah. know, you don't, sound as, you don't sound as pretentious when you say, oh, yeah, I'm the top five best looking guy in this room. Yeah. There's only three of us in the room at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, you're yeah. definitely fifth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I'll take two positions above that, say second and fourth. You can be first and third. I always ask these questions. Favourite vegetable? Favourite vegetable? The humble potato. Beautiful. Favourite fruit? The Queensland mango. Always it could be cherries. Oh, so many good strawberries in season. Blueberries, uh, raspberries in season as well. Okay, let's just stick with mangoes because I'm a Queenslander and when they're great, they're unbelievable. Um, what's the secret? Is there a good support? Anyone behind you that's amazing? Oh, everyone. My wife, my kids, um, my business partners, you know, the staff I work with, my fantastic suppliers. Ah, good. You know, my, yeah, I know you're like, you're like, I don't know, why are you pointing to yourself so much? <laughs> um, awkward. Um, but yeah, no, everyone, everyone involved is, is amazing. And I think, you know, that's a, we have a very specific way of dealing. We deal with people, not businesses. Yeah, that's okay. You know, there are a few businesses that are huge that we deal with, that we have to, that are just big pieces of machinery. But, you know, 90% of the people that we deal with would be, you know, I deal with Graham from Suncoast. Yeah. And we know who our rep is, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, Favourite wine? Favourite wine. Uh, trick question. There is, you know, you, you, that's like me saying to you, what's your favourite fruit? Mango. 
Oh, okay. Well, it wasn't that hard at all. Um, I don't have a fa- I don't have a favourite wine. That it's too limiting a question. Yeah. I would have favourite wines uh, depending on what moment and what I'm eating it with and stuff like that. But that's just me. Mm. You know what I mean? Oh, but you know, truthfully, a mega needs to be eaten in the heat of the summer. It needs to be oh, the KP exactly. variety. Exactly. Well, so, yeah, okay. Yeah, Chardonnay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chardonnay. Right. Favorite grape variety? Chardonnay. Yeah. I'm an old school Chardonnay lover. Um, or bigger, richer, fuller styles. You can get those out of Italy as well. Yep. Beautiful. I urge everyone to check you guys out because it is amazing and the wine is fantastic and the food is great and I'm great that you can get a takeaway, as you said, and yep. get a bottle of wine. Thank you for being a part of today. And I, I just want to one last thing extend to every chef out there that we're, you know, if you need something, uh, you need to talk, you're in the hospital industry, you know, keep talking to your friends. We're always mm. here for you all. And hang in there. I don't think we're at the end of this for a little while yet. No. Uh, but keep talking and um, stay positive and, um, yeah. And there's no crazy ideas. Float everything at yeah, this stage that. and see what works. What have you got to lose? Thank you, Graham. Thank you for being a part of the podcast. <laughs>